How would it feel to live in a culture that honored our individuality? What would it take to create a world where everyone felt absolutely free to pursue their aspirations? Welcome to Early Care for Every Kid, a podcast for people who want to make learning, living, and loving more harmonious for everyone. I'm your host, Danielle Ahn. In this very first episode, I am excited to share three things with you. A little bit of background about me, why I'm starting this podcast, and what to expect in future episodes. If we haven't met before, let me first introduce myself and share how I came to focus on early childhood care. I'm many things to different people, a sister, a daughter, wife, neighbor, friend, photographer, soccer mom, a Korean-American, a New Yorker. But first and foremost, I see the world through the eyes of a mother trying to raise two feminist sons. My kids are in elementary school now, but when they were younger, I was a full-time stay-at-home mom for five years or so before I started working again. Since my husband was often traveling for weeks or months at a time for work, I was the primary and often only caregiver. I'd always wanted to be a mom, and I had chosen to be home, at least during the early years to raise our first child. Of course, there are many layers to this decision that I'm sure we can get into in future episodes. In any case, I assumed that mothering would come naturally to me. But I was completely caught off guard by how much work and time and humility caring for a newborn baby would take when I could barely take care of my own body that had come and done during delivery. There are so many things that especially first-time parents have to figure out as we go over the long nights and days in the earliest months with very little sleep. I remember frantically turning to Google and parenting groups online just to be able to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my baby who didn't seem to be nursing or eating enough, who wouldn't nap unless I was holding him, who'd wake up as soon as I put him down in the crib or started tiptoeing away. There are times when I just wanted to cry or scream and throw the baby down. I thought I'd never sleep for more than 30-minute chunks again. Then somehow that baby became a toddler, and he became the older sibling to another baby. And I found myself doing things I never imagined ever doing, simply because it had to be done. My experiences and observations as a mom led me to question why do we still in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 2021 still not have a better support system for families and their young children during their most impressionable or susceptible years from birth until they go to school around kindergarten. Even with all the right kinds of support with typically healthy babies and normal deliveries, it's a great adjustment mentally and physically when you become a parent and logistically and financially and professionally. So for the mother who had just given birth to be responsible for a new life, sometimes while also caring for older children or other family members, to do it without any support could be very lonely and depleting. Imagine 
this parent trying to get back to work or school on top of all this, having financial or medical worries on top of that. When there are reports on mothers who harmed her children or herself, we guess, how could a mother possibly do that to her own children? What a terrible monster. But I wonder if she really needed someone to just hold her baby for a while to get some rest, some quiet, maybe alone time to go to the bathroom, shower, get a spoonful of food, really basic things. Perhaps she saw no other way out of a desperate situation, and she thought that was the best way. These tragedies could have been prevented if she had received the right kinds of support. I believe also that so many caregivers and young children are also suffering to some degree. We just don't talk about it much because it's uncomfortable and disconcerting, not appropriate for polite society. We were also given the message that childcare decisions are individual responsibilities and purely personal decisions. Each family is supposed to figure it out if they chose to have children, right? And what an individual or a family has access to is determined by their efforts, motivation, and abilities, right? Of course, I am also a product of our meritocratic and capitalist society, but I don't believe in just positive thinking, personal motivation, and commitment for hard work or charity, where only the symptoms are addressed temporarily. Instead, I'm interested in getting to the root of the problem, and I've come to believe that rethinking how we do early childhood care is a crucial piece of the puzzle. This brings us to my second point, why I'm starting this podcast. My intention is to highlight what young children, families, and communities need to thrive, including early care for every kid. Research has made clear that every child needs basic consistent care in the earliest years, from age zero to three especially, to be able to thrive now or later as an adult. But what is clear to me is that each child Each person is born into different environments and circumstances. Each child is born with diverse natural tendencies and genetic materials, and it makes no sense to treat each child or person exactly the same. As any parent with more than one child knows from observation and experience, each child is different and will often need different kinds of support, even if they came from the exact same set of parents. If we generally agree that everybody's life and their right to happiness matters, why should we leave something as important as the early childhood years and care to chance? If we agree that everybody deserves the basic tools or conditions to be able to live with dignity, why not recognize that some people may be struggling to maintain basic, consistent care for their child for whatever reason, for medical, cultural, financial reasons, whatever it is, because that's the reality. I wonder why we let children's access to early care depend on how resourced the family they are born into may or may not be. I can't imagine any excuse to deny any kid the most basic conditions to thrive, especially in the U.S. Could you?
If every child really is precious, how could we ensure that they get the early care they need to thrive, no matter the family circumstances? This brings me to the third point, what you could expect in future episodes. I would love for this to be a space where we can talk about our experiences, especially during the earliest years, the arrangements and rearrangements that we have to figure out to deal with the demands of the early care years. If we had to put our careers on hold, reduce working hours, make other living arrangements, switch industries, or experience what we call the motherhood penalty. We see that many parents question why they chose to continue their work, whether they made the right choice, especially if the dollar-to-dollar take-home pay versus the expensive childcare makes very little sense, or if they feel like they're missing special milestones or ordinary moments with their children. There's a lot of sadness and guilt and frustration. On the other hand, if they've stepped away from pursuing their aspirations, earning potential in favor of more flexibility, they may at some point feel stifled or unsure how to re-enter the workforce, the paying workforce, or do other meaningful activities outside the home. All of these are questions that I find many other working moms, stay-at-home and love-at-home moms grappling with in parenting groups or in private conversation. There's so much guilt and angst and frustration and confusion why this is, why it's not set up a little bit better or designed a little bit better to accommodate for the realities of modern day life. Clearly, two things are very common experiences among parents, like a rite of passage. One is figuring out childcare arrangements and how all that fits in with our personal aspirations and goals. But the crazy thing is, before I became a parent myself, I had no idea many families were struggling to figure out childcare, their careers, their goals, and finances. What if more people, including those that aren't parents or caregivers themselves, recognize that caregiving is a full-time job, whether you're paid for it or not, and that caregiving is essential work that allows all other work and pursuits to happen? What if more people recognize that career and early care decisions, especially for moms, are not entirely personal choices to be worked out just by getting more efficient or productive or more zen? If we talked about it more and it became clear that how things are set up currently don't always work for so many families with young children and how they live and work today, we might just have to do something about it. So I'd like for us to talk more about early childhood care. I want to share a quick story. There's a beautifully illustrated children's book by Emily Winfield Martin called The Wonderful Things You Will Be. I received it as a gift from my sister when my first child was born. And many years later, I still read it to my children. And I love the illustrations and the messaging Well, one day I found myself getting really agitated and annoyed when I was reading the words, this is the first time there's ever been you, so I wonder what wonderful things you will do, basically that kids can grow up to be whatever they dream of becoming. And the book continues, will you stand up for good by saving the day or play a song only you know how to play? 
Will you tell a story that only you know? Et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's all nice. But I say that there's got to be ways for people to get to do the things that they will and must do in real life. If there's been only one of us, why not let us do what we were meant to do? Instead of promising a wonderful, free, beautiful, diverse future for our kids and our kids' generation, because surely I was promised a lot of that. I was told that I could do any beautiful thing that I wanted to do when I was a child. At what point, as we become adults, do we realize or do we start to believe that that's not possible for us? Not just because of lack of motivation, resilience, determination, training, or lack of available role models, but because of systemic issues like how things are set up. There's a clear pattern of structural barriers that are keeping women who choose to become mothers or caregivers and young girls and young women, frankly, from believing that they can do these beautiful, wonderful things that matter to us in our unique ways. So if there's only been one of us, why not let us also do what we were meant to do? That's my question. This podcast is not just for the children, but also for us. If it's not set up the way that allows us to do all the wonderful things that we were meant to do in our special ways, then let's do something about it. So if you agree that early care is a birthright to every kid, what kinds of things might we do? Even as busy parents, what could we do to make that a reality? And what kinds of policy changes would need to happen on a community level, state level, national level? And what are the barriers and arguments against making early care a birthright to every kid? What do ordinary people like you and me have to do to learn more about how these things work? This podcast is an opportunity for me to learn as I go and share the information so that we can become more engaged and push for policy change as needed. Along the way, we can also inform each other where and how to seek help and get help if we really do feel like throwing the baby who keeps waking up. What resources are already available to help families and parents and children? And also what needs are not addressed as things stand? I would love for us as a community to be able to stop these preventable tragedies of quiet and private suffering and acts of desperation, abused or neglected children, domestic violence, because hurt people keep hurting others. How could we stop this kind of pain from repeating generation after generation? We could stop that cycle in a practical way by creating a wraparound support system for the parents and the families and the caregivers responsible for providing quality, nurturing, loving care to our very young children when they are the most receptive. We could actively create loving cycles where the weakest link is cared for, where all children are cared for, because loved people love others. I hope this can be a space where we no longer have to feel like there's something irreparably wrong with us, because these kinds of private struggles are going to eat you up from the inside, and it's not going to be helpful to anybody, not to yourself, not to the children you think you're sacrificing for, or for their children. And I have a feeling that all children just know when the moms or dads are truly content and delighted to be with them and around them, or they're just performing. From my own experience, my kids know, they just know if 
even if I'm not saying anything, they just know if I'm feeling down. And I feel like they carry my frustration, irritation. If I'm down and they perhaps absorb that and they wonder if it's their fault. Whereas if I'm feeling light and really am delighted to be around them or with them because I'm doing what fills me up, then they're happy to be around me and they don't feel like a burden and it fills up their sense of self-worth. But so many women are grappling with how to reconcile what we were raised to believe that we could be anything that we wanted to be. And if we put hard work and dedication and all the hours and commitment to it, we could figure it out because women are smart. We get things done. But when it was our turn to have children or when we were considering having children, it just seems like childcare options are not quite satisfactory. I think if we had more affordable, accessible, high-quality early care options, then many more parents, especially moms, might feel truly free to do all the wonderful things that we were also meant to do. And this wouldn't be helpful just for working parents. It would be helpful even for full-time, stay-at-home, love-at-home moms or parents to be able to have a place where they can trust that their child would feel safe, loved, and cared for and stimulated so that they can occasionally have some time to do the things that they need to do, like doctor's appointments, tend to family matters, or just simply take a break. And that's healthy and helpful for everybody. If we could pass on that kind of joy and purpose and a sense of fulfillment and let that in itself be a lesson for our children who will feel loved and who would feel cared for, who would also feel free to do what they are called to do, they will also love the next generation instead of feeling resentful or guilty or confused and frustrated, like so many of us are, right? All this to say, I'd love for you to follow along this podcast and join the conversation. I'm trying to share whatever resources and stories come my way. I hope you'll feel confident that your story would be appreciated and valued. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can get in touch with me at earlycareforeverykid.org or send me a DM on Instagram at earlycareforeverykid. Make sure you hit the follow button so you're notified right when the next episode drops. Thanks for listening. Till next time, take care.